The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by Woo More Play. Guys, if we have any gift we can give you during this quarantine, for all of you, for everybody, everybody that's listening, it's Woo More Play. A lot of people have asked me, well, I don't need it. You know, I don't, I already get super wet. That's not what it's for. It's for enhancing the experience. It just makes it better. It makes it better to grip things. It makes it better for things to taste better. It just makes it better in general. I'm telling you, try it once. You'll be addicted. Every single person I know that we've recommended this to keeps on coming back for more, especially in a quarantine. Literally coming back. Listen, you could argue that you don't need better sex, that you don't want better sex. I don't know why you would, but you can. What we're offering here is just that, better sex, an enhanced experience. You're going to get some coconut oil in there, a little beeswax for grip, some vanilla essence, and some stevia for taste. You can't go wrong. Use our latest code, tits and ass, for 20% off. That's tits and ass at woomoreplay.com, W-O-O, moreplay.com, tits and ass. And don't worry, we got you covered. Everything comes discreetly packaged. Your nosy neighbors won't know what's going on. Unless they, they might hear what's going on, but they won't know when they when they see the package. So guys, woomoreplay.com and use code tits and ass for 20% off. Enjoy. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. And I just sort of was like, well, I'll be me. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And that's fine. I- I'm okay with that. And that's why I think that my um, way of approaching this was probably, from what I understand, and I still haven't gone back and watched Every Housewives, obviously, but from what I understand, the way I approached it was very, very different from how people have done that in the past and it's because I I I didn't really know any different and I just was myself hello the episode you have all been waiting for I've been waiting for this I'm gonna go back and listen because I love this episode so much we are recording live from Salt Lake City Utah with the one, the only Meredith Marks. She is so major, you guys. She is such a boss. She has shopmeredithmarks.com. She has a brick and mortar in Park City. She has three kids. She's been married to her husband, Seth Marks, since 1996. And we had the pleasure of not only interviewing her for two hours, we also got to go to dinner and drinks with her and her husband. And we met her kids, which was so major. That was a wild dinner. I mean, we sat down there at like, what, 8, 8.30? Hopefully it doesn't put anyone on blast. And like, next thing we knew, we all looked at the clock and it was like two in the morning. And, and mind you, this is sitting in a restaurant in Salt Lake City, Utah, or actually we were in Park City. But time flies when you're with Meredith Marks, apparently. No, it does because she's so interesting and there's so many dynamics and she has so many different layers. And then her husband is also so outgoing and so funny. And he brings it. I mean, he we had some it. fun. Seth, if you're listening to this, when are we investing in Powder Mountain? I know. Seth, we want to invest in Powder Mountain. That's a, that's. I feel like we need to bring on Seth to discuss that. Also, for people that are wondering what the hell that is, that's an actual mountain in Utah near Salt Lake City. So don't get any ideas. It's not what you're thinking. It is an actual place called Powder Mountain. It's an up-and-coming ski resort. And I think Seth and I were going in on a couple of ski properties there. Here's the thing I have to say about Meredith Marks. First of all, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has been such a hit, which is so impressive because normally it takes a couple seasons for you to get really invested in Housewives. But with Utah, I immediately was drawn to Meredith. This one sucked me right in. Yeah, honestly, 
if you have not watched Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you are missing out. Like grab some popcorn, get some tea, like stick your pinky up. It will be erect the whole time. I am telling you, it brings the tea. I don't know what you're talking about with erect pinkies, but like whatever, you, whatever, you're erect you pinky when you're drinking tea. I always put my pinky oh, up. I get, oh, I get it. You're saying yeah. holding the cup of don't tea. Don't get any ideas, Michael. Nothing's erect. Well, besides you're my not pinky. doing a very good clarifying today. Okay. So, so this comes out with such a bang. It's so amazing how we don't have really any context of the housewives with this season and everyone's obsessed. It's been a hit. Even Andy Cohen is obsessed. So I'm telling you, I think you're really going to love Meredith. She has a very dynamic life. She's very open. She is so classy, so chic. With that, let's welcome Meredith Marks to the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. We have Meredith Marks in studio, not in studio. We this makeshift studio that I probably fucked up. Makeshift studio. <laughs> it'll, it'll be all right. At least you have a diva light. I am so excited because you're one of my favorite housewives for multiple reasons, which we'll get into. But first, I want to go way back, way back before housewives and talk about your childhood and how you grew up and what your family life was like. So I grew up in Chicago, downtown on Oak Street and Lakeshore Drive in the heart of the city. And it was different. Like I had coming to, when we, I moved to Park City, it was the first time I had lived outside of a city. I'd never lived in a suburb. I had always lived predominantly high rise, but city living. We did live in homes at some points as well. And I went to a small school in downtown Chicago. We, my parents were divorced when I was pretty young. And I was with my mom and with my dad on the weekends. It was, times were very different then, especially in Chicago. You know, the city was very different. It was like a very small little space that was sort of your safe zone. And it just was totally, totally different than what it's like now. I actually started in in high school. I had like a very strong interest in photography and started taking some more arts classes. And that sort of eventually what led me into jewelry was my interest in the arts when I was growing up and also of course my mother's jewelry always when you say it was me. different you just mean it was it was safer like to be outside no actually quite quite the opposite I mean when I when I was young there are areas in Chicago that we go to all the time now that you just would never walk in prior to, you know, maybe the last 10, 15 years. So the city was, it was just very small because most people at that time were moving to the suburbs. It was just very different. It was, it was much less common to raise your children in the city. And so for the time that I grew up, a pretty unusual upbringing from that point of view, it's sort of like, I feel like it's for the last 15, 20 years, it's been on trend for people to stay in the city, raise their kids in the city up until this past year and a half with COVID now, the trend has started to reverse and more people are moving to the suburbs again. Things are changing, moving away from these very city-centric life, family lifestyles. And so when I was a child, that was really much more of the norm was growing up in the suburbs. And I, I just, I never had that experience. And even up until we moved to Park City 10 years ago. I had never lived in a suburb in my life. And Park City, I don't even really consider a suburb. I consider it a resort town. So it's it's different. But it was it was cool. Chicago was just different than it is now. But, I love Chicago. It's, yeah. it's amazing. But I love Park City. So how did you meet your husband? Is this simultaneously as you're designing jewelry? 
No. So I met my husband when I was in my early 20s. We were set up on a blind date. He had met a a friend of mine out one night and saw a picture of the two of us together and was like, oh, who is that? And she's like, oh, that's my friend Meredith. I'll introduce you. And she called me the next day and she's like, oh, I met this great guy and starts telling me all about how great he is, this, that, and the other. And I was like, oh, set me up. And she's like, well, I kind of like him. She didn't tell me that he wanted to go out with me. That's a big mistake that people make is they they, (laughs) they rave about how great someone is and then they, they lose that person. Exactly. Except the story goes, I turned to her and said, but wait, you have a boyfriend. (laughs) And she said, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. I'll set you up. I was in business school at the time. We were on like a school trip to South America. So I, I was leaving town for about a month and she made a date while I was gone for several weeks later when I was back in town. I got back The day rolls around. She called me up. In the meantime, she had broken up with this guy she had been dating. So we were now going to go on a double date with a friend of Seth's and and this woman as well. And she was like, well, I haven't heard from Seth. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to just blow it off or whatever? She's like, no, I'll give him a call. I'm like, fine, go ahead, whatever you want. And she said, well, I just spoke to him. And this is the year Michael Jordan just came back to the Bulls. It was a very big ticket. And he says he's going to the Bulls game and that he'd meet us for a drink after. And I said, well, I'm not interested. Sorry. (laughs) No. Uh, You know, we planned this date a month ago. I'm not interested in meeting him for a drink after the Bulls game. You know, whatever. (laughs) So I said, why don't you just tell him I'm sorry that tonight's too inconvenient. Perhaps you'd like to make it another time. So she does. And he's like, well, do you girls want to go to the Bulls game? So now I'm just like being a bitch. I'm like, let's call him out. It's the hardest ticket to get in town at this point. So I'm like, sure, let's go. And sure enough, he did get tickets. He had two sets of two, you know, (laughs) we're sitting in two different places. And he was a gentleman. He gave me and my girlfriend the good seats for the first half. And then he sat down with me and, you know, in the good seats for the second half. And what happened and and the reason why he was so torn about going was that he had started dating somebody else while I was in South America and he felt uncomfortable. He told me that after our first date and told me, he said, you know, I I, I just, I started dating somebody else and that's why I don't want to go, whatever. And, but I think I like you better. What should I do? I go, well, I don't know. Figure that one out on your own and let me know when you figured it out. (laughs) So he broke up with this other woman and that was that. So is it love at first sight? You guys move in together quick or was it more slow? It was pretty quick. I mean, we met, we were engaged a year later and married six months after that. And then had our first child right after that. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. You know, met at 23, married at 24, baby at 25 baby at 27, baby at 29. It just was like super fast. And you said on the show, you said that maybe being it being so fast and you so young later, you like were looking back and you maybe felt like you needed to separate because you were together so young and it went so quick. It's really interesting because at this point now I have adult children and they have boyfriends and girlfriends and they're for whatever reason, my kids like these long-term relationships. They, you know, one met in high school, another met in college, whatever. And, and I talk about it all the time because you worry when when somebody meets really young and you think that they're going to get married to each other, you, you kind of like, you start to get worried. Well, 
they have a chance to see what else is in the world. Not that it's necessarily any better, but they need to know that. And I think that for Seth and I, it was like, it's not that we didn't know that. Like, I, I don't, I met Seth and I thought he was incredible. And yes, it was 100% love at first sight. And it went very quickly. And I married him and I thought I really knew everything about him. And I woke up one day and I realized I'm like, okay, I really didn't know very much about him at all. I just got lucky because he was a kinder person than I ever thought. And it could have gone the other way. I got very, very lucky. And so I think for us, we just needed like a moment to, to step back and recognize what we really do have and focus on that rather than like wondering, you know, did I miss something? Because there's always something else. Yeah, and I think, I mean, just for it's, it's not, it's similar, but different time frame. Lauren and I met when we were 12, right? Like when, and we started dating at that age, but we broke up. We weren't together all through high school and all through college. A lot of people think we've been together that whole time, but we separated. And yes, we experienced other, other things in the world to say, Things in the world. Other other we, okay. other experiences. But I think about it all the time because if we would have tried to go the whole way through, I don't think we would work out because we would you you would wonder and you'd start to think like, okay, what else or what if? And now we don't have those questions. No, twelve is like I can't be with you since I was twelve. No, no, no. But like, come on, that's not realistic. No, but I think it's it's important because some people if your kids are dating since high school and college, we had that a similar experience, but we kind of went off our separate ways, lived in separate cities, had separate lives for a while, and then came back. And since we got back together, we've been rock solid. Right. So I have a question since I just had a baby and it's hard to make time for each other. You had three kind of back to back. Like, how did that go? Are you glad you just did three and got like, got it? I don't want to say done with, but like, should I just have the amount of kids I want in a row or should I take my time and space it out? Looking back, what do you think about that? So that's interesting. That's again, it's another like factor that contributed to Seth and I really needing that separation yeah. was you get, you have children, which is like incredible. It's amazing. It's probably one of the most incredible life experiences there is, but they require a lot of time and attention and your dynamic in your marriage completely shifts because what become, what was so important was the other partner and it suddenly becomes a child. And the focus goes away from the partner and it goes on to the child. And that's just human nature. And, and taking the time to make sure you make time for one another is really important. Seth and I failed on that many, many, many times. We got very, very focused on our children and just sort of like almost lost sight of one another. And didn't even like you wake up one day and you're like, I don't even know if I know you anymore. I mean, obviously you're the same person and whatever, but you sort of just find this disconnect. And so I do think it's helpful to have kids back to back because I I believe, at least for me, once I was out of that phase, there's no way I was going back to it. I sort of feel like you get into that zone and it works and everything comes together and you're used to dealing with all of the moving parts. And once you move out of that, I think it would be really, really tough to go back. I do not have any regrets about having my children so close together. My only regret was that I allowed my focus to shift from my marriage completely. 
And and I allowed Seth to do the same thing. And I hold both of us fully responsible for that. You know, you both have to look at one another and and we all have positive and negative times. And when you see someone going down this negative path, you've got to rein them in. You're, you know, you're, you're partners together. And that's what's important is to stay there and be supportive and focused and make sure you're still very in touch and aware of what's going on with one another, even though the reality is the kids take over on your focus. It's just, it's huge. If you were to go back and tell your younger self some tools and tactics and maybe habits that you would do in your marriage, what would those be? Like with all the wisdom that you know now, and you have been so open. And I think it's so refreshing because so many times housewives come on and they say everything's perfect and dandy, and then they get divorced. So if you had to go back and tell yourself the tools, what would those be? Oh, hey, Guess what I am wearing right now as I podcast from home. If you guessed Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants, you are correct. They are so comfortable that I just took a hour walk while I did my conference calls, came back, and now I'm sitting in bed podcasting wearing them. They're that comfortable. I also feel like they lift the ass, which is great too. So I'm looking chic while also being comfortable. I'm telling you guys, they're as comfortable as pajamas, but they look professional, which is exactly the vibe that we are all going for when it comes to working from home. I'm just a fan because you don't have to pick between professional and comfort. You can get both. This is definitely for the busy woman who wants to look chic, but also be comfortable. I am a fan as always of the black ones. I just feel like I still have about nine pounds to lose from baby weight and the black really holds me in. Obviously their customer favorite is the dress pant yoga pant. And this is made of this wrinkle resistant stretch knit, which is so efficient for me because I don't wash my pants every single time I wear them. Um, I don't have time and I just feel like I'm constantly on the go. Sometimes I throw them down and when I pick them up, they're wrinkle resistant. So it actually saves me time. Nothing's going to be digging in your skin. You don't have to unbutton them while you're driving. They have all different colors and styles to choose from. Boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, eight pocket, and more. I have always been a fan of the skinny. I just ordered the boot cut and I'm loving that too. They launch new styles weekly. And right now, All Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners get 25% off your first order. All you have to do is go to betabrand.com slash skinny. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash skinny. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. You're going to go to betabrand.com slash skinny for 25% off. Enjoy. So the first thing would be making sure that you make the time like individually one-on-one together. For Seth and I, it was like we were always either, you know, obviously working, but when we would, you know, dinner time is sort of our time together. And it sort of became, well, are we having dinner with the kids tonight? Are we taking them out? Are we having dinner at home with them? Or are we going out with another couple or a bunch of other couples? So, you know, it just would depend. We were barely ever together. And I mean, we're together, but not there's always other people connected. Or kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and even when we were alone and connected, it's like on the phone, Instagram, this, that, and the other, emails, whatever. And the, the key, I think, is making individual one-on-one time without phones. It doesn't even have to be that long, half hour, whatever it may be, but where you're actually focused on one another, where you're communicating, 
where you are talking to each other about things that aren't related necessarily to your children and that are about you. And I think that's, that is really the key so that you stay in touch. I mean, as you probably are know, Seth and I have very different views. Like he would, he w- all the time would be like, here, you, you want to know what's going on in my life? Take my phone and read it. And obviously, you know, I don't like for him to read my phone because I feel like people send me text messages that are sent to me, not to him. And I think that's like very in- invasive of somebody else's privacy. That is a problem. Like when he's saying to me, well, read my phone to know what's happening in my life. That doesn't work. You have to talk. You have to communicate. You have to really stay in touch with one another by talking and not by, oh, read my phone or, oh, you know, you can see my podcast today or whatever. You know, it's it's important. And, and that was actually something that the show was really, really positive for us with is it forces communication. There is no sweeping it under the rug. There is no up. running away. Yeah. You don't have a choice, whether it's your marriage or your friendship or whatever else. You're you're constantly learning new information that's being thrown at you and you have to address it. And I was very good at ignoring and sweeping things under the rug and you can't. Yep. So is that therapeutic looking back on it? Like when you look back on the show and, and what you like it did for your marriage or your friendships in the moment, were you frustrated and now you feel it's therapeutic or how does that work? Yeah. Um, so I always call it, I always say it's like glam therapy because you're talking and you are digging and you are analyzing yourself and analyzing the way you behave towards others, the way you react, the way you, you know, anything, communicate. And you're very, very in touch with everything you're saying and doing because you can't ignore the reactions. Like you can't get away from it. In real life, you can go hide out wherever. There's there's no escape. You're talking about all this, you're analyzing it, but it's like glam therapy because it is the most public thing under the sun. You know, it's not confidential. There's no privacy to it. And, and in fact, there's a lot of judgment that comes with it because you're, everyone in the public eye is looking at you and they're formulating their own opinions on you and they don't even know you and they know, have glimpses oh, we and get that's it. it. We get it. Yeah. I was going to so ask you, how have you dealt with not, you know, coming into the public eye so quickly, obviously in a platform like Housewives, everyone's watching. How have you dealt with that? You know, maybe before you had a more private life now, I imagine, especially in the city, people coming up to you, obviously commenting on your life, your marriage, like how do you handle that? Well, it's interesting because of COVID, it's probably been like a little bit easier mm-hmm. because rather Everyone's than diving in head first, it's like I got to like Not online though. in the water. You got every troll in a basement ready to go on their phone. So maybe yeah. in public, but I would assume online it's brutal. Yeah, it was probably worse online just because everybody was online mm-hmm. during COVID and kind of like not out and about. And yeah, you get a lot of haters and trolls who have mean things to say. And that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Again, like I said, like, you don't know me, you know, you, you know, things about me and you're entitled to your opinions on those things. And and that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with people who don't like me. That's okay. You don't have to. And in person, it was relatively like, it's been relatively easy because of COVID. It's like, life is not that abnormal. It's yeah. just really busy. <laughs> yeah. And I also feel like in person, you know, what people will say online is much different than what they would say when they're actually face to face. I right? will say though, out of all the housewives, I haven't seen you get 
a lot of hate from my perspective and as a housewives fan i feel like you really handled yourself very well on the show and i think people related to you opening up and i think i feel like people you were a fan favorite Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of hate to you at all. I definitely got some. I mean, you know, it wasn't horrible, but there were moments that were worse than others. There was the hardest part for me was really after episode three, when all the drama stemmed between Brooks and Jen. And again, everybody doesn't, they see a little glimpse. They don't know the whole story. They don't see everything. And some of, of Jen's hardcore stands were, were very cruel to Brooks. And that was very, very hard on me. That was like super distressing. There's, I mean, I'm like going to cry thinking about it. It was really stressful because there's nothing worse. Yes. It's your child and you know who they are and you know what their intentions are. And he's, yes, he's an adult. He is 21 years old, but in my view, he's a child. He's always going to be my baby. Oh, I'm going to jail if anyone says anything about my kid. I I, I 100% know. Like I'm not going to, well, I think also, and I watch when when Lauren watches, you can't turn away from- Don't say I watch when Lauren watches. That's such a cop out. You can leave the room. Your eyes are on the TV when I turn on Housewives. I didn't want that to, I mean, I'm not tuning, like when, if if I'm not with her, I'm not like diving in, but I watch every time it's on. So I'm well aware of what's going on on the show. Right. And you come off as somebody that's very thoughtful intentional and logical with your with your responses and i feel like when you speak people listen or at least that's how it came off on the show right and i think that's maybe why you don't catch so much flack because you're not just flailing about just saying anything that pops into your head at least from that's what how i feel about yes. what i saw I, overall i am a pretty like emotionally controlled person i i i, I mean i'm human you don't seem I, like I, you lose it i do just not that often and not as often as some of my castmates. I guess um, I'm comparing it to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Relatively speaking, no, yeah. I don't. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I actually, to me, words are very powerful. They have a lot of meaning. I mean, I, my background is in law, like words are everything. And so I probably tend to think my thoughts through a little bit more before I vocalize them. I mean, if you notice, I'm probably a little bit quieter than most of my castmates a lot of the time. But you're not like a meager mouse, though. Yeah, no, I'm not at all. Like you're, but you're I quiet. like to listen, <laughs> assess, and then speak. Which you know, some people are quiet, and they're quiet because they're like like a meager mouse, right? Like yeah, they're not. No. That's not how you come off. You come off as like someone that's like I said, thoughtful and intentional before you speak. Correct. I mean, I've, I'm highly opinionated, but I like to make sure I understand what's happening before I express my opinions. I'm human. Look, you'll you'll see. You know, I have emotions. I have bad times in my life. I, I even just a couple months ago, I lost my father. I had a lot of emotional outbursts those first few weeks. It was really hard. I was very easily triggered and set off by things because I was having a hard time. And that's, we're all human, but I do try. That's correct. I'm sorry to hear about your father. Yeah. So am I. Thank you. Yeah. I want to know if there's a reason that you are emotionally controlled. Is it from, like you mentioned law or is, are you, do you practice stoicism? Is there something that you do in the morning? What are the routines that you do to keep you even keeled? This is such a cool concept, you guys. Policy Genius. What it does is it helps you compare top insurers in one place and you save 50% or more. This is something that before I had a child, I didn't put a lot of thought into. 
But now that I have Zaza, I really think about this a lot. And I want to make sure I'm protecting my family with life insurance. So when they came to us to partner, I was so on board because this is something that I personally want to have as a resource on our podcast. Michael's very versed in it. And this is such a great concept because you can just find the best option and the Policy Genius team will help you set up your new policy for you and they answer all the questions along the way. Well, it's not only good for shopping policy, it's also good for comparing prices. So many of us, we sign up for insurance, we have no idea how they calculate premiums, we have no idea what we're paying. Obviously, this stuff gets really pricey and you want to make sure you're paying for what you want at the best value you can possibly get. What I also love about them is that they have a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. And the best part is that all the benefits of Policy Genius, the comparison tool, the handling of paperwork, and the unbiased advice are totally free to use. So if you're looking to compare top insurers in one place, this is for you. Why not get your life insurance organized? You can save 50% or more by comparing quotes and feel good knowing that if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. I know Michael takes this very seriously. Yeah, we I mean, we just recently did the finance episode, but there's one thing we didn't touch too heavily on and that's insurance. And the type of insurance quickly that I would recommend everyone has, auto insurance, obviously homeowners or renters insurance, health insurance. If you're looking at a life insurance policy, definitely look at term life, especially if you're younger, long-term disability, long-term care care, identity theft, umbrella insurance. These are all things you can compare. I know I just threw a lot at you, but there's a lot to look at with insurance and Policy Genius can definitely help you do so. Policy Genius can promise that you won't leave their website feeling like a fool. It's extremely easy to use and understand and you can start now. So you're going to go to policygenius.com to get started. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. I'm telling you, tell all your friends about this. This is important. Yeah, obviously taking care of myself is is the most important thing. I feel like when we're all like run down and exhausted and everybody is more easily set off and triggered by things. So, I mean, just the basics, obviously sleeping and eating good food and whatever else, but also having fun. I think like all the, like, it's all a balance, you know, and it's like, if you're going to go out every night until 5 a.m., okay, you're going to feel like shit and you're you're going to be easily set off and whatever else. But if you don't ever go out, you're not going to have a lot of fun. You're going to be very cantankerous. So it's it's balance, I think, on everything, whether it's fitness, whether it's what what you eat and what you drink and sleep and just having a balanced life, you know, finding positivity, focusing on positivity, trying to take the negative situations and and spin them towards a positive side. You know, it's like for me, I look at COVID. It saved my marriage. I look at it, what happened, housewives coupled with COVID, I would say saved my marriage. That's a positive. I look at how it, I focused on my online business and grew that, you know, there so I try to stay away from the negativity, stay focused on the positive side of things, and try not to speak until I really understand what's going on. Because that's that's the whole thing. When you only have half of the story, it's really easy to get really, really angry. But if you can try to ask more questions before you speak and ask like, well, why did you do this? What was the motivation behind the behavior? it's easier to stay calm because you realize that it's just another human being struggling with their own problems, trying to work through them. And yeah, sometimes you cannot coexist and that's fine, but it also doesn't mean that you have to destroy each other. There's balance. 
what you said about having a positive mindset in COVID, we've talked about so much. It is mindset. You can look at this as all the negative or you can focus on the positive and what it's done. And that's so smart that you say it's helped grow your online business and your marriage. I think that it is so important to attack any kind of adversity like that. You have to have a mindset shift or else you can just think about all the miserable things. 100%. And there is always another way to look at it. You know, I look at my separation. Was it really hard and and awful? Yes, of course it was. But I wouldn't be where I am right now without having gone through those times. And so it's just a matter of finding the bright spots in adversity and and trying to understand where people are coming from before you let your emotions get the best of you and get that angry at them. And, you know, realizing that it's okay, that sometimes you're just not going to work it out and you just, you shouldn't be friends or you shouldn't be married or you shouldn't be whatever the dynamic is in the relationship. And that's okay too. It just, it's a matter of keeping enough control over the situation and yourself that it, you don't take it to a level where it just gets vicious, mean, and ugly. I feel like separating from your significant other would help weed out who the toxic friends are. Because the ones that are going to talk behind your back, bye. And the ones that are actually there for you, you can double down on that. I, I completely agree with that. I think you learn so much about people through situations like that when you're separated to see who stands by you. Just watching how people treat someone who they don't stand something to gain from. Ooh. That to me is the most telling thing about somebody's character. And so if they think, oh, well, you know, we were friends as couples and so I no longer, and they turn on you, okay, that's not your friend. If they're rude to the the busboy in the restaurant, that shows something about who they are. That's a big thing. Yeah, it shows a lot. And so to me, like I try to watch those things or or if you're, you know, in in the same company and you think the person's getting fired and suddenly you're not interested anymore or whatever. That kind of stuff is very telling about loyalty. It's very telling about character and those are the things I try to watch for when I'm reading people. I'm very into like energy from people and and usually I'm good at it. I found that when I don't follow my instincts, I get burned. Yeah. It, the, I think the best people are the ones that just give, give, give without expectation, right? And those are the people you want to be closest to. And the people that, you, you know, we all know those people, you meet them and it's like, you could just tell they're there for something. Yeah, they stop need some, giving with an ask. Yeah. In order just to give. interact, right. you need to give them something. It's like immediately you should cut those people. Yeah. And that's like the thing. I mean, I remember, and that was something my sister was always so good at telling me too. I'd be like, for years, I would say stuff like, well, I was thinking about doing whatever for so-and-so. And she's like, so do it. And I would be like, well, I don't think they do that for me. And she'd be like, Meredith, you don't do something for somebody because you're looking for something in return. You do it because you want to do it. And that is the bottom line, you know, on everything. And that was like one of her best lessons to me. I love that. I Thanks, love Myra. Sister. Thanks, Myra. <laughs> I want to talk about your business. So you mentioned law. So you so you did law and jewelry designing. And then how did that turn into Shop Meredith Marks online and in Park City or Salt Lake? Park City. Park City. Yeah. Okay. I, I, well, I went straight from undergrad into law school. And then my first, after my first semester of law school, I figured, I, I love like the law in theory. I think it's super, super industri- interesting, but in practice, not as much. And I sort of thought, I doubt I'm really going to do this. So after my first semester, I applied to the business school to do a joint degree. And I, I did 
both of those. I had started undergrad as a fine arts major, switched out because I didn't think I'd be able to. Like, Seth is loving this. He's loving all like all these smarts and the creativity. I bet he was just <laughs> chasing after you. He did love that. If, if Lauren had a law degree, I would bail out. I'd be like, this is this is too sketchy for me. It's too intense. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, I got to go. This enough. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I so I was in graduate school and I finished and I had during the time I was in school, we had opened a health club that was very much focused on like Pilates and gyrotonics, yoga, you know, more alternative stuff. And I was in real estate development. And then I was mugged one morning after I dropped the kids off at school at 9 a.m. Where was this? In Chicago on Dearborn Street. Like, if you know Chicago, it is it 14, the 1400 block? It's about as safe as it gets. It's like a very out of the blue kind of thing. And it was very aggressive. The man was dragging me across the street by my handbag. And, you know, the whole thing was just traumatizing. And I had loved jewelry. My passion was always in jewelry from the time I was like a child playing with my mom's stuff. And I, it was like a wake up call. I thought, you know what? I have three small children. I am literally on the phone with contractors on these real estate development projects. All day and night, I'm not focused. I'm not present at all. And I don't want to do this anymore. And I sold everything. And I was done. As is condition, I was just like, I am out, which was a blessing in disguise because within months, the whole real estate market completely crashed and I would have lost everything. So it was, I'd like to say it was my genius foresight, but it was not. It was just the luck of the draw. And so then I took some time off. I was like, at home with the kids and it was day trading, to be honest, because I was, I, I'm very restless. I don't sit very still very well. Yes, I'm very, very entrepreneurial. It's sort of like a, it's a bit of an illness. Day trading is a dicey game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and back then it yeah. was like insanity, yeah. but it was, it was wild. It was so wild. And, you know, the metal markets were completely out of control and, and everything was just unglued basically. And I thought, well, I've always loved jewelry. It's the most, one of the most competitive spaces to go into. But right now, I'm sure everybody needs the business. This is a time where, you know, they'll work with the little guy. And so I, I dove in head first. My husband had said that he had a business trip to Hong Kong and to India. And I, you know, knew a lot of the stones were sourced there. A lot of the production is done there. So I said, you know what? I'm coming with you. I took some GIA classes, Gemological Institute of America, and I went and I started learning and that was it. And I came, I actually did my first trunk show. A friend of mine hosted it for me in her apartment. It was in, I mean, the height of the recession. Everyone thought I was completely insane. And I, all I did was I bought jewelry on this trick trip that I liked. I didn't design anything. I just wanted to see if the market would sustain it at this point. And I also took orders on everything so that I could try out different manufacturers. But if it didn't work out, I had the original piece to fill the order. So I, I was able to test the waters basically that way. And that was that. And then we moved to Park City about 10 years ago full-time. We were here for a few years and then we went part-time. My husband took a position as an executive at overstock.com, which is based in Salt Lake. And so that's what prompted us to move here. And he does liquidations, turnarounds, distress, 
situation. And is he still so. in going back to Ohio or does he work here primarily? No, he neither <laughs> to answer you. Um, he bounces a lot around quite a bit because he deals with distress situations. So hope the goal is to, to help fix it and move on. I imagine there's a lot of distress situations right now. Well, what's interesting too, though, is he deals with all these like consumer product inventories and whether it's excess or people going out of business or, or whatever it may be. And initially it was insane. I mean, he was just slammed with so much business and then no one had inventory anymore Yeah, because everything was shut down. So nobody was producing. And now that's, that it's interesting. There's a shortage. It's, yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to get things made right now. Yeah. For manufacturers and the lead times are crazy and things are getting stopped. Chinese new year just happened. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of stuff. Yeah. That's tough. So when you coming from Chicago to Park City, how was like that's a that's a different culture. How did in the beginning what it, how did you feel about it? You know, Lauren, I'm feeling extra anxious right now, and let me tell you why. I was carrying all the podcast equipment down the stairs, all the mics, all these boom stands, the you know the Zoom, everything to record this and these intros and these pickups. And you heard that loud crash? That's because I ate shit and fell down the stairs, and I'm feeling extremely anxious about it now, which means I just want to curl up, get in bed with my hush blanket, and just forget today ever happened. Honestly, if you're anxious, I am telling you, a weighted blanket is the cure. It's my favorite thing to do. What I do is I get into bed, I dim the lights, I turn my red light on, I put my star projector on and I go under my hush blanket. And I am telling you this weighted blanket is unlike anything. The inside of the blanket's non-toxic glass sand, which adds weight and flexibility and it wraps around you in this warm embrace. It's like a hug from grandma that you needed. And the weight just makes you feel so much less anxious. I know I'm not crazy too, because my sister Mimi is obsessed. She swears by this. What's cool about Hush too, is that they have a hundred nights to test your blanket. So if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. No questions asked. If you feel like it's too heavy or too light, you can exchange sizes. They're really great about that. They have a return and exchange process that's super seamless and easy. And then they also have this give back program. So they donate one in 10 adult blankets and one in five kids blankets to charity and shelters in need. I am such a fan of Hush. If you're going to start with one of the blankets, I would recommend getting their classic weighted blanket. In my opinion, it is just the best. It comes in four different sizes and six different weights. I like intense. I like big. I like heavy. The one that we have is the gray. You've probably seen it on my Instagram story. I am telling you, if you are an anxious person, you have to try it. Hush is a really amazing sleep brand, and they are going to give you a 10% off all items. They basically have everything that you need to get the sleep you deserve. You're going to use code skinny for 10% off all items. That's code skinny for 10% off all items. Go to hushblankets.com and shop the classic blanket. You're going to love it. That's hushblankets.com. Use code skinny for 10% off. So it was really strange at first. I mean, first of all, change from city to resort, you know. Is this more of a seasonal place? Is, I mean, I imagine winter's obviously slam, summer, but does it yeah. spring, fall, does it get slow? Yeah, it, it th- those are considered the shoulder seasons. And yes, it does slow down. The fall is actually really lovely here. It's beautiful. The leaves change. It's pretty. And hopefully you don't have a super cold fall and it's, it's really very nice. I bet. Spring, not so much. I mean, we're going into the last few weeks of like, 
pretty white snow out there and then it just, you get into mud season and it's not my favorite time to be here at all. But yeah, it is very strange going from a major city to a resort town that part of the year there aren't people here. That was a, a very big concern when we first moved here. I wanted to make sure we moved into a community where there were people who lived year round because I didn't want my kids to feel like they were living in a ghost town. But now it's it's like more and more people are just coming uh -huh. here. It's crazy. I, I mean, I have so many friends from, you know, New York, LA, Texas that have relocated here permanently. So yeah. when did you decide to open your shop? When did you be, be like, oh my God, I need a brick and mortar here. And then when did you take it online? Was it during COVID or was it simultaneously? Yeah. So Online, I started a long time ago. Okay. I mean, we've we've had our website up for a long time, but did not do a huge online business because jewelry is a little bit trickier online. People want to, you're dealing with natural resources and people want to see the quality and whatever else. So I had started it prior to ever having brick and mortar even, but it was much, much slower than it is now. And the store I opened about two and a half years ago, I had been looking for a space for probably four or five years before that. It was wow. very, Park City is very, very small and wow. Main Street is what? eight blocks long or something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm slightly off. I've but never it's, been. I have to go. I want to come see the store. Yes. I have to come. Yeah, we I just got here yesterday. Come. It's probably been 15, 20 years since I've been here. I used to come with my dad all the time. He actually used to build stuff around here, but it's oh, been kidding. 20 years. I, when I got back, I was like, oh, this feels much smaller than I remember it. Because when I was a kid, I was like, this place is massive. So how did you find your place after four years? Did you see it? And you were like, this is the one? I mean, the pro the thing is, is because Main Street, it's like, it's all historical landmarks. I mean, it's so charming. You're, you guys, I, I don't know if you remember, but it's like, so it's incredible. And because of that, you, you have sort of funky spaces, you know, it's not like everything's just modern and easy to deal with. Yeah. And a lot of the stores are like, a lot of the storefronts are split level where you have to go upstairs and or or downstairs and they're not like where you walk right in at street level. And okay. so it was very important to me to have somewhere that you could just walk into because I just think it's way more inviting. And I also wanted to be like in the middle part of Maine. I didn't want to be too high or too low. And 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 I wanted a small space because I'm in jewelry and what am I going to do with 10,000 square feet? You know? It's yeah. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs make that mistake. They try to go too big at first instead of zoning in and, and refining a small space. Yeah. Yeah. And so it took a long time, but this space came along and it was perfect. It's, it is small. It's very small. I love it. I, now I feel like, oh my gosh, maybe I went too small and we might be looking for you something might have a to little expand. bigger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but not crazy big still because I want it to be manageable. I don't want to feel overwhelmed by it. And and brick and mortar is still, it's tough. It's online sales are a lot easier. I will say that. Yeah, but. I think it's cool that you do both though. I think p people as a tourist, it seems they would want to come here and come visit something that they see on TV. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's nice. I think it's nice for people to have a physical space that they can walk into, you know, and it's very different. I mean, with with COVID, my business model really shifted a lot because it was it wasn't so much away from the store because we were only shut down for about two months. I stayed closed a little bit longer just because it was very strange for a while. But but for me, a huge portion of my business was private events and 
that's what was like devastating from COVID. I mean, normally in the fall, I would be throwing three luncheons every week, you know, with wow. in different cities and, and do, do you whatever bring else. The jewelry, is it diamonds? Like what, what kind of, tell us, is it, I know that you have, it's called livable luxury, fine jewelry, but is it also stuff that's more affordable? Like tell us what you're bringing to these luncheons. Yeah. So I, it's all fine jewelry. It's all gold or silver, precious, semi-precious stones. Take notes, motherfucker. Oh. Take notes. We're going to end the interview I now. still haven't got, like, I haven't I'm not going a, to Main Street. He didn't give me a push present. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to hear that. No, I, that, never this is a great person to talk to. Okay, Go on. Gonna, yeah, we, we, we can, can help Pay attention. You. Oh, we can help you. This trip is a lot more expensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gold, silver, Precious, semi-precious. I am working on, it will still be fine jewelry, but I am working on a lower price point collection because a lot of people have asked. And so I'm working on a collection where it will be silver and semi-precious and enamel. And I think it's going to be really cool. And it's going to be much more reasonable. Like we will have some pieces under $100. So what should we look for in an engagement ring? And I mean this for maybe someone that's going to propose? What are the things like not to get ripped off? Yeah. I mean, assuming you want like a diamond traditional engagement ring, you know, you're looking at your cut, your color, your clarity and and the size, the carrots. It's the four C's. When I first started looking into that, I was so overwhelmed because I thought you just went to the store and just grabbed one. Nobody teaches you about yeah. cut, clarity, color, <laughs> shape, all these things. And they, no, you don't I go mean, to, this isn't bonds. What's crazy is, I mean, you know, you can have a one carat ring that could be a million dollar if it's, de- if it's a, depending on the cut and the clarity and all that stuff, or you could have one that's obviously, so the, the, the range is so crazy depending yeah. on the quality. Yeah. The quality is absolutely everything. And, and, Usually for most people who have some kind of a budget, you want to balance that and maybe you don't get the D flawless diamond. Maybe you take an F for a G, V, S1 or whatever. You you compromise a little bit so that you can get a little bit of a larger size perhaps if you give a little bit on the color or the clarity. But you don't want to give a lot because there's honestly, there's nothing worse than a bad diamond. I, I I can imagine, especially being in the industry. I'm sure it's like I when when J- Dr. Jason Diamond, he's like a plastic surgeon in LA, came on this podcast. I said, when you're at Thanksgiving, do you just look around the table and be like, oh, he could use a little filler in his temples? Like it's the same as with a diamond. I would think that when you're so knowledgeable in it, you're able to just look right away and see. Yeah, I mean, yes, because when you, but honestly. You would notice too. Like if a diamond's not good, you see it. And it's, there are some people who just are so much more interested in getting a big stone that they they don't care. Yeah. And, and that's fine. That's up to them. For me, I, I, the color and the clarity are very important to me. I mean, I'm a visual person, obviously. So I think for people who are more visual and more, I don't know, if my diamond was like looking gray or yellow or whatever, it would drive me insane. I'd be staring at it and I'd rather get something in I'll have to take a look at quarter of the size and that that I like the color. I already on changed it. yours out. That thing's, a, that, that, yeah, that, who that, knows? that thing's already been changed out. Yeah. No. What's, uh, what is the tips with a setting? I think a setting is really important. How you set the diamond there's when we worked together on my ring after I, he let me design the setting with him but there was so many things that you could do to make it a little more sparkly are there any like little tips that you can give our audience that you would recommend that they tell their significant other i mean the setting is really a very personal choice of what feels good 
to you. And some people like to set the stone a little higher. Some people like it a little bit lower. I I tend to be to gravitate towards more modern designs, more clean designs, especially if you have a spectacular diamond. Like to me, it's the setting is about showing off the stone. Mm-hmm. So I I if it's a beautiful, beautiful diamond that's of significance, I I would do a very simple traditional prong setting, maybe to, you know, some very simple side stones. It depends on the cut of the stone to begin with, but clean. What's your favorite cut? I just have to ask selfishly. Well, I have a cushion cut. That's my beautiful. You guys, cut. it's so sparkly. <laughs> it's a little dirty. Too. Maybe you should talk Sorry. to I thought that was a, a blind now. Yeah. <laughs> so cushions your fave. I love cushion. I love emerald cut too. Okay. Those are my two favorites. I I wanted the person that helped us to look at my finger and I wanted him to say what flatters my finger. Is that crazy? <laughs> Well, not necessarily because depending on like, like I have really, really long fingers. Like my fingers are not like if I go finger to finger with most men, my fingers are as long as you got to take their hand out of the equation. My hands aren't as big, but my fingers are. So I can, I can carry a longer stone. Someone who is really like shorter fingers, a round stone will be better, you know? So it, it, it does matter. I mean, it not, it's not everything, but it does. It, certain stones do look better on certain fingers. That's true. Everyone wants to know your workout and daily eating routine. <laughs> so many questions about that. Okay. Well, let's start with food. Oh, God. Yeah, I have very unusual eating habits. I uh, Please. <laughs> the audience wants to know all of them. They're, it's irregular. Like some days I don't eat anything until very late in the day. And other days I have something when I wake up, there's no real rhyme or reason. I have to have coffee first thing in the morning. I'm like not even a functional human being. I've gotten lucky enough to finally show Seth that he can bring it to me in bed. Oh, please teach Michael. It's, I can't believe how hard it is to do that. No, because you're irregular in that. Sometimes you want it downstairs. Sometimes you want it upstairs. I always sometimes want a you, coffee sometimes in bed. You want a tea. I always want a coffee in bed. There is no woman who would be unhappy about having coffee brought to her okay. in bed. I can promise you that. See, I le- this is we. This is like couples therapy for me. I learn something every new. <laughs> so he brings you coffee in bed. So yes, he brings me coffee in bed. Then I, I, I do not. I'm not like a breakfast food person. I usually like. Like once in a while, maybe I'll make an egg or something, but I will usually have like something very random, like a bite of cheese or a bite of fish left over from the night before or whatever. I don't eat very much in the morning. I have like very little appetite. And and then it just depends. I mean, I we used to go out almost every night, but not so much anymore with what's with your favorite restaurant? Life. Just really sight. Handle. 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 You Handle. guys have to go. Okay. It's wonderful. Okay. That's okay. great. Okay. So is there I'm anything? I'm going to give you the that... list of where we're going after this to make sure I didn't fuck yeah. it up and go somewhere wrong. Well, yeah. Tell I'll, the truth. Too. I'll take care of you. Don't lie. Okay. <laughs> um, so is, is there anything that you reach for like that's a healthy snack on the regular like hummus? I don't know. Grapes. Like what? what is your like go to? So we do have hummus now. I go through phases where I'm into hummus. I'm not a fruit eater. That's the one thing I will say. I really do stay away from sugar for the most part. I every so often I have a bad day here or there, but basically speaking, I'm not into dessert. I'm not into sugar. I'm not into fruit. I'll have berries and cherries once in a while, but really I very rarely will eat anything sweet. And I don't really, I don't Eat, I stay away from processed food and fast food. I eat real food. That's the bottom line. I don't eat crap. 
And so I eat everything. I don't like fruit and nuts mixed into my food. <laughs> but apart from that, I pretty much eat almost everything. I'm particular about how it's prepared and whatever else, but I, I like real food. So I'm not, not like a junk. pecan and dried cranberry salad. That's not on your yeah. list. It sounds okay. like you don't obsess yeah. over over food though. I used to. I don't anymore. I used to be like super obsessive over everything I ate. I would journal all my food. I would run like anywhere from like seven to 15 miles a day. I was nuts. And it was so all encompassing and it made me so like uh, to the point where I couldn't go out to dinner without bringing my Hello Kitty food journal. And yes, it was Hello Kitty. I don't know why because it made me laugh. Um, but what about so cocktail? If you're gonna I drink. drink, what are you going to drink? So my go-to is Belvedere up with a twist and a glass of ice on the side. Okay. But of course I drink Vita tequila and I just, I, I've, I can't drink as much tequila as I used to. For some reason I have like some acidity stuff sometimes when I'm having a lot of tequila, but I do love tequila and I love Lisa. Take a, pa- a papaya enzyme for acidity. Papaya really? enzyme, all natural, non-GMO, just go- like Google it. It's a chewable you will never have that. It saved me during pregnancy. Feels oh. like fire, like burning, like yeah. acid reflux. Yeah. It'll it'll cure it. I always wonder. This is a side quote. I know there's one on a different topic. But side, for someone like I said, I think you're a well-intentioned person, and you. And when I say that, not just you know a positive person, but you're somebody who's thoughtful. With everything you had going on, you get approached to do a show. What was the thought process like? Because for me. I like this because I control this, right? Like I, I don't have to worry about somebody else telling me or narrating or dictating what gets up and what doesn't. It's like I have this little controlled zone, right? I don't know if I would be able to handle giving someone all the control over how I'm perceived in the world and what I've like. How do you, how did you go about that? So what's really funny about that is actually I remember last March, right before we shut everything down. I I was in LA right after we had just finished filming here and I went and I was talking with one of the executives at Bravo. And one of the things she said to me is, you know, by nature, anyone who's drawn to reality TV and doing reality TV is a bit of a control freak and they want to control everything. But the problem is with reality TV, you control nothing. And that is 100% true. Like, we are all control freaks for sure. And it's like this very challenging process because you you can try to control it all you want, but you're going to lose. Yeah. And I know and how easy it is to forget because doing these, I mean, I mean even this on a smaller scale, but you for, you can forget that you're even like there's cameras and video and, and mics. And I'm sure when you're filming and there's a little, like you just forget you're even doing it. 100%. I mean, not at first, and it takes a little bit of time to get comfortable. But once you're comfortable, you sort of the cameras don't matter anymore. You just like throw it on. You're like, whatever. I'm just going doing a thing. Yeah, you don't you don't care. It doesn't matter, and you realize that. Look, I am who I am. I can't control what is shown and what's not. That is just. There's no point in trying because it's not going to happen. Every aspect of my life is not going to be shown because it's just not possible. It'd be really boring. And not that my life is boring, but any every aspect of anybody's sure. life is going to be super boring. You're, you're going into this saying, I'm giving that up. I know that I'm, I am confident and comfortable with who I am enough so that I really don't care what they're putting out there. 
And that's where I got to eventually. It took time. It took, I would say, probably almost three quarters of the way through the first season for me to really be able to to let go of the control. You forget about the cameras much before that, but to really say, I just don't care. Like, this is me. There's nothing so horrible. If you don't like it, stay away. No one's forcing you to be around me. No one's forcing you to watch me. And if you do like it, great. I'm happy. I'm doing something right. And that's it. And you just let it go. I just, I don't care. I imagine though it might be frustrating if you're seeing something after the fact that you know is out of context. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's probably annoying. Where like, I know... Okay, so Lauren and I will catch flack all the time on the show if a clip gets shared and like we'll say something, but it, and it, it's always the stuff that's out of context. Or if you listen to everything, like, oh, okay, I can understand like how that conversation got there. But people, we have the benefit of people being able to go and see the whole context. Where when they're editing something like that, like they're not showing all of the context, right? And so you can't, you don't have that benefit. So I imagine that right. can drive you nuts. That is what's really challenging, just because. It's not even like this intentional, oh, we're taking this out of context. It's that we're showing snippets. And and by virtue of that, a lot is getting cut out. And sometimes when you're saying something, what's really meaningful to you is the sentence before what they show. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's not really what I meant because you, you left the beginning part out or whatever. But- you know, it's part of it. And it's not, I would say that, yes, that happens here and there, but for the most part, you really are seeing most of the true intents of the people. And most of what they're saying is pretty much what they said. Do you want to watch it after it's all edited? Do you want to sit down and watch it? Or are you like, oh, I just can't watch this? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't like it. to listen to my own podcast either. I'm just, I'm, when I'm done, I'm like done. Oh no, 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 no! She I'm saying the opposite. Oh, oh, you want to watch it? it. You oh, want to yeah. watch it? Oh, I would think it well, was the other like way. You're saying it's well, snippets. Because, but, you know, it's so the you, whole thing. So you want to see? But, but there's no point in us. I mean, the narrative that they've crafted. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Is like we know, like this everything that I mean, unless I mean, this is what comes out, right? Like this is the like this this is the episode where with you, like you do something and you don't know what's coming out, right? No, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, are you going to show my lunch yesterday? Or are you going to show my dinner, you know, or whatever? It doesn't, you, you have no idea what ends up being put out there. And so, yeah, I, I, as soon as I want to watch the episodes, you right want to see it. Yeah. And what, then you want to watch it again because you're like, wait a second. And are there's things that probably <laughs> in those like interviews, I always wonder how they do those interviews. Maybe you can tell me, but that you see someone sit, someone says something that you weren't aware they said. Yeah, yeah, you're and- probably like, fuck that bitch. What the hell? And the crazy part, though, what's really interesting about that is you're watching that stuff and you get really, really agitated about something. And then you realize that happened like almost a year ago. Yeah. And you're kind of uh, like, oh, really? Is it worth it to get <laughs> mad at? I know that's that's probably trying to to see like if you do have friends on the show to see all the thoughts and then you don't know if the producers took it out of context what you're watching right so is it even worth it everyone also wants to know your beauty tips and tricks are there things that you reach for all the time skin makeup yeah anything any tips yeah um so again i do think for skin diet is super important like eating real food i think is the most important thing of anything like not eating processed junk. I really, really honestly believe that because like I drank, 
We all know, thanks to Jen, I have an occasional cigarette. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it's cares? not like, no, oh. I couldn't care less. It's not like I live like this uber crazy healthy lifestyle, but I do eat real food. Okay. And I think that's really important. I think that's like what goes to your skin and everything. But as far as like products and stuff go, one thing I have coming up on the horizon is a night cream that I've been, it's a, pres- a prescription night cream that I've been using for many, many years that we're working on reformulating to over the counter. But above and beyond that, I use a lot of Sicily. I do support Iris and Bo, my castmate, Whitney. And Whitney's uh, products are in your uh, shop, Meredith Marks, in brick and mortar and online? Not online right now. We're going to do a website for the store because I do carry products other than my own in there. But we haven't done that yet. That's on the horizon. Uh, but yes, she is in store. I, I really like a, I really like a lot of her products. Or the I ones I've tried so far. I haven't tried everything yet, but I the ones I have in my store, I've tried all of those. I've used all of those. They're really great. So I like that. I like Sicily. I like Defenage. I like what else do I like? Sicily is really good. Yeah, I love Sicily. That's I, that I forgot about that brand. That's a great brand. I need to go back mm-hmm. to that. That black. They have like a black seed uh-huh. oil. That's a good one in the pink thing. The rose. Yeah. Uh, you used to, you used to use Sicily then. too and you were way more glowy. I know. Then I <laughs> th- I almost went broke from it. That shit is. But it's worth it. It's, it's really expensive. good. It's really it's good. good. It is is good. there any makeup secrets? Like, is there anything that you like a lipstick that you like or a, an eyelash? I have, I use for lipstick. I usually will use the Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk and Dior, like that super light pink, almost clear gloss. I don't know what the color is, but okay. it's the only one they make that looks like that. And what else? Makeup tricks. I like a very bright under eye. I like to sort of bring the shadow up a little to tr- sort of lift. I try to lift. I'm like getting close to 50. So I cannot believe you're getting close to 50. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. You look amazing. I, I want to know what the night cream is. I can't wait to see when it's out. It's 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 a little ways out still, but it, it, it takes time. Skincare formulations do take some time. But I I'm could very see you excited. writing a book on marriage too, because you do have some really great tips. And I think it is so cool how open you are about it. Because like I said earlier, there's so many people on reality TV that aren't open. In my view, I sort of went into this. And what's interesting is I had watched very, very little reality TV prior to doing this. I had honestly, when I found out I was doing Housewives, I'd never watched a Housewives show before. And so I kind of went through, I had this what I thought was brilliant idea, not so brilliant, of that I would just watch one episode from every single franchise so that I could like see the different dynamics. Not such a swift move. I would have been much better sort of watching like a full season of one franchise, but whatever. So I I didn't, it, I, it's not like I could have come into this manipulating the game because I didn't know how to play the game. Yeah. And I just sort of was like, well, I'll, be me. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And that's fine. I- I'm okay with that. And that's why I think that my um, way of approaching this was probably, from what I understand, and I still haven't gone back and watched Every Housewives, obviously, but from what I understand, the way I approached it was very, very different from how people have done that in the past. And it's because I I, I didn't really know any different. And I just 
was myself. And and that's why it was funny when there was stuff coming up like authenticity. Oh, is she being authentic? Or is, oh, they faked their separation. I'm like, I wouldn't have known to do that. Are you kidding me? Like, you're giving me way too much credit here, you know? Whoever wants to fake a separation for reality television, you know what? God bless you, because that sounds like the most miserable, horrible thing you can do in your life. And if there's just no way, I, I think that if you're not true to yourself, there's going to be so many inconsistencies that you're just not going to make any sense to the audience. There's just, there's no way for the amount of time that you are on camera. I mean, we are followed by cameras for hours and hours every day. I mean, not seven days a week, but sometimes six, sometimes five, sometimes four, whatever it may be. You you can't fake it. Like no one's that good. You know? Also, the 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 biggest gem I think too is realizing that the audience is not stupid. Right. There's so many people that come on reality TV and think they can outsmart the audience. I always would assume that the audience is smart and everyone that's watching is smart. It, I feel like that makes it easier to be yourself. I agree. I mean, for me, it's like the. The viewers key in on things that I would never even think to look at in a million years. Oh, there's groups that are like fully dedicated. Seth scratched his nose while you said this. Right? I mean, it's like insane, like how the things that people notice. And so I just think that if you're trying to deceive or mislead, you may not get caught in it, but you're not going to be well-received because you're not going to add up. You're not going to make sense. There are going to be too many holes. In you just won't have doing. longevity because right. it's too hard to keep up for that period of time. It's too much work. I mean, it's too oh. stressful. I would be, I, I barely sleep as it is. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's, it's too gnarly. <laughs> if you were to leave our audience with something that you think makes a successful person, what would that be? Like some, uh, some kind of tip that you feel makes anyone successful. We have a very millennial audience. So are we talking about success in business or in life Anything. or everything? Wow. That's a big question. You know what? If it's life, I would say finding balance, you know, finding not excessive, not deficient, finding what you really need to feel centered and happy and and to be in, poised to find the positive things in your circumstances, whatever they may be. And I think that you have to find balance and live within the mean to be able to do that. And that means something very different for every person. It's not like a, a simple answer, not being deficient or excessive, finding your space where you can live in balance and have positive energy around you because that's everything. The, the negativity is just toxic and it takes over and it brings you down. I agree. And a positive mindset, I think, is, is a sort of a theme of this episode. It's so important. Where can everyone find you? Where can they shop your jewelry, pimp yourself out? <laughs> so you can find my jewelry at 511 Main Street in Park City at MeredithMarks.com. On Instagram, it's ShopMeredithMarks is my jewelry page. We have at Meredith Marks Park City, which is the stores page, or my personal page is at Meredith Marks, at Meredith Marks Zero on Twitter. I do have a TikTok, but I haven't posted anything, so we won't go there. <laughs> and where can we find the standout star, Brooks? What's his Instagram? Because <laughs> Brooks is Brooks is another housewife. Like I'm tuning in for Brooks. <laughs> 
He's the best. So he's at brooksmarks.com. We try to keep his tracksuits in the store on Main Street, but unfortunately we sell out often and uh, production is not so simple right now. They're cool. Yeah, they're His amazing. His tracksuits are amazing. They're totally amazing. Yeah. And he's on Instagram at, at shopbrooksmarks and at brooksmarks. You're Instagram. amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope when Michael is looking for my push present in the next week that he contacts you. You have to get pregnant again. No. We have to do it's been a I year and a half. One. We missed it's the first time one. For my, I am I'll not getting pregnant until I have a push present. Well, we'll see about that. I don't yeah. know if it's Uh-oh. straight up to you. We will. Um, Meredith, you're so inspiring. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so nice to have you guys in Deer Valley. I know. We're Thank so excited. You. Wait, don't go. We have a giveaway as always. Make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes. And then all you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at Lauren Bostick. And someone from my team will slide into your inbox and send you some skinny confidential goodies, all kinds of fun things. Thank you guys as always for listening and make sure you stalk Meredith on Instagram. She has some amazing content.